uh, long to be able to just join in with those countless millions and just sing. And the issue will not be my ability to stay on note or yours or any of that. The issue will be that we will finally be beyond sin, beyond death, and we will be in the presence of God Almighty. I mean, that that's just really, really, really hard for us to even comprehend because we've been in this world. This is the only world we've ever known. But the reality is we will one day be there. And I got to tell you, church, I, I look forward to being there with you. I look forward to being there with you singing around his throne. Isn't it good to come together? Sunday nights we just seems to be sweet, intimate time with the family of God to sing praises to him. Uh, so I enjoy it a lot. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter six tonight. Matthew six. And we're going to go back to the passage we were in this morning. Matthew six. This morning we looked at uh, verses 19 through 24. And then tonight I'm hoping to to uh, cover 25 through 34. Matthew six, 25 through 34 tonight. Let's let's read this together. Or you follow along as I read. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We start this section off with a word that um, that is there for a reason. The word starts in verse 25. Therefore, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Well, anytime you see the word therefore, it is there for a reason. And it instructs us to go back to see what was before it. Well, we have the luxury this morning or this evening of having looked at what was before it in this morning's sermon. And we know that what he was saying this morning is that when we lay up our treasures in heaven, our treasures are secure and nothing, no, nothing can take those away. Nothing can steal those from heaven. So with that being said, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. I know in this room uh, with with this many people in the room, there are probably 
a number of you that this particular area is of real curiosity to you. You struggle with this issue of worry, anxiety. You, you, you fret over things. You lose sleep over things. And I, just like last week when I, when we looked at the issue of forgiveness, we come to another instruction in scripture that I think is probably right up there with the difficulty of forgiving. I said last week that when you, when we're told to forgive someone, that's one of the hardest things that we are instructed to do as believers. I think this is probably its match. You know, for someone who struggles with worry, for me to say to you, don't worry, only causes you more grief. Because now you're worried about not worrying about what you're worrying about. So it's one of the hardest things that we're called to do. I want to show you in this passage, though, what the word of God has to say. Uh, first thing I want you to notice is the things that we often worry about that we shouldn't. He says here in verse 25, the first part of it, don't be anxious about your life, about what you will eat and what you will drink. And then he says, don't be anxious about your body, what you will wear. Uh, one of the uh, one of the things that uh, that you have to know is going back into into ancient Palestine. These were three areas that uh, you were either poor in or you were rich in. You were rich in what you were going to eat. You were rich in having enough water and you were rich in in a lot of wealth was shown up in it showed showed itself up in, in clothing. A lot of times what they would do is is if anyone had wealth, they would they would uh, instead of taking their money down to the bank and putting it in the bank, they would uh, have their wealth sewn into their clothes. They would weave strands of gold through their clothing and their clothing was made to be lasting because it held their wealth. Well, here he says, don't be anxious about any of these things. Don't don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your body. Um, if these three things were put up to us today as issues that we should not worry about, many of us probably would say, well, these are not really the areas where I do worry. But you've got to understand in that day, these were the biggest things, your food, your water and your shelter. Oftentimes, the cloak was used as shelter. Uh, I made reference to Dual Survival, the show on, on the Discovery Channel this morning. Uh, they basically have some basic ingredients or basic things that they are seeking when they're out there in the wilderness. They're seeking uh, shelter. They're seeking some sort of food. They're seeking some sort of water, water source. And then often in time you throw in there fire as well, fire to purify the water and all that sort of thing. Well, here he tells us the basic ingredients, the basic necessities for life. And these are things that we often worry about. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we put on? We were on the way to church tonight and we were talking about a particular neighbor just across just down our road. And his garden has been great. His garden has looked just fantastic all summer long. And he, had, he was out there yesterday and he plowed up uh, a section that he was through with. And, and uh, we commented and said he's probably getting ready for something else. He'll have something else in there. And, and, uh, and we, we were talking about how they, they, this particular family, young family, lives largely off the land. <laughs> we come to the conclusion, though, that my family, we don't do that. We live largely off of restaurants. 
You know, we if I had to grow my own food, I'd be a lot skinnier than I am. Uh, Or I would depend on some other people, you know. We worry about these things, but maybe not necessarily these things, but there are things that are, are necessities for you that you do worry about. Maybe they are tied to food. Maybe they are tied to water. Maybe they are tied to your clothing. Then there's some basic necessities here that we don't worry about. He says in the last part of verse 25, he says, but is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You ever thought about all the things that. That. Function every day in our lives and our bodies that we know little to nothing about how they work. But we don't worry about them. You ever think about that? My heart beats. All day long. I don't think about it. It just beats. My lungs will contract. I will exhale and inhale and I don't think about it. How does how does my brain tell my hand, my fist to clench? You ever think about that? How how do I how do I know how to pick one foot up and put it in front of the other and take steps? Get outside the human body for just a little bit. How, how how does that work when I walk in a room and I flip a switch? Now, some of you know how to do that. I don't have a clue. When, when I hit that button and that TV comes on, how does that do that? How does the Internet work? Just just start thinking about all the things in life and the body that we could worry about. And some of you right now are going, quit. Now I'm going to start worried about all that stuff. I think the point here is, though, we get our mind on these little details. We get our minds on things like food and water and shelter. And we forget that there's so many other things out there. We don't have a clue how they work either. Why don't we worry about those? Yet they continue to work for us. Every night before I go to bed, the last thing I do before I go to bed is I take my phone and I take that cord and I plug it into the side of my phone and I slide that over to vibrate. And I lay it face down on the nightstand so the blinking light doesn't wake me up. But why do I do that? I do that because in the morning I want to be able to wake up to a fully charged phone that will last throughout the day. Do you realize you lay down every night and you don't have to hook yourself up to anything? Now, some of you have sleep apnea and, you know, that's you look like you're hooked up to something. But do you realize that this is this is our God who has made us this way and he says it's not life more than food. Isn't the body more than clothing? I'm taking care of all this other stuff and you're worried about these little things as if they're in your control also. Now, what this is not teaching here, and I'll get into it in just a second, but this is not teaching that we should be lazy. Well, I just won't worry about any of it. Food will come to me. Water will come to me. Clothing will come to me. Someone will provide. 
It's not teaching that. But we shouldn't worry about certain things. Let me show you these in verse 26. We shouldn't worry about food. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What would it be like if you looked out your window tomorrow morning and you saw a bird out there with a shovel? There is a squirrel in my yard that is about to die. I'm just telling you, he's about to be a goner. I'm going to come get F.E.'s shotgun and I'm going to take care of him. All right. He's stealing all the pecans. But you know what? He, he, he runs all over that yard and I watch him and, and he takes advantage of when the dog's not out there, you know, and he's, he's smart in that way. But he runs here and there and he'll find those those pecans and he'll he'll do his little thing and then he'll run over here and he's got a stash of them somewhere. But I've never seen him out there with a shovel. I've, I've never seen him out there on some piece of equipment. How, would that, how funny would that be? You look out there and you see the squirrel punching his time card into the clock. He didn't do it. Now, he still does his thing, but he's not worried about it. I think when when God points this out to us, when Jesus t- tells them this story here, he's telling them, you still need to work. Scripture teaches that if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. He should provide for his family or else he's worse than an infidel. But what he's saying here is you don't look out there and you don't see the birds of the airs of the air. Depending on themselves. Completely. You see them out there working hard, but they're working hard knowing that there is someone else providing. We shouldn't worry about food, nor should we worry about health. In verse 27, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? How many of you know the day and the hour that you will die? It's not one of us in here that does. I may go tonight. We heard of this week a friend of Lana's back home in Kentucky that uh, is younger than us that had a massive stroke the other night and died. I may go. I may go tonight. Should that cause me to go home tonight and lose sleep and say, God, I hope that's not me. What can I do to to keep that from happening? I'm just I'm so worried about it. I'm going to lose sleep over it. No, because I can't add one bit of time to my life by worrying. The image I get here is not about time, but there's an episode of Andy Griffith where Barney Fife wants to be taller. Remember that episode? And so what does Barney Fife do? He goes to the closet and he hangs on the pole in the, in the closet and tries to stretch himself out. Do you all remember that? That's, that's the image I get here is, is a person trying to worry about their health and trying to add more time to their life. It's like Barney Fife hanging in the closet trying to make himself taller. You can't do it. You'll spend a lot of time there hanging out, but you won't add anything to your height or your your lifespan. And then it goes on and he says, you shouldn't worry about even material necessities. You shouldn't worry about clothing or shelter. Verses 28 through 30. Why are you anxious about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Now, there's a clue as to what this is all about. O you of little faith, he's saying here, it's it's not a matter of you just don't have enough faith. He's just pointing out the reality that we are people of little faith. We are little faith. Little faith is enough. Little faith was enough to rescue Peter on the sea. Remember, Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water, gets his eyes off of the Lord and sees the storm around him and sinks. He cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus says, why did you stop believing? Oh, you of little faith. But his little faith was enough for Christ to reach down and pull him out of the sea. Well, you say, well, why? What's your point in all of this? Well, my point is the point of Scripture here, I think, is we should not worry about food or our health or material necessities like clothing and shelter. We shouldn't worry about finances and all of those sort of things. Why? If I don't tell you why, then all I've done is say, don't worry about it. That doesn't help. Why should we not worry? Look at verses 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. The reason why we should not worry is because we are not birds. We are not flowers of the field. We are not even Gentiles, at least not anymore. We are no longer outside of the family of God, but we have been brought into the family of God as sons. Now, all the females in the room are maybe a little put off with that and say we're also brought in as daughters. Scripture has no language for that as far as you being brought in as a daughter. Scripture only calls even you as a female a son. And that's good news because the son is the one who receives the inheritance. He's not excluding females. He is including them and calling even them sons in the same way that he refers to me, a male, as his bride. The reason that we shouldn't worry and we don't have to worry with all of these areas of life, food and health and material necessities, is because we're not birds or flowers or pagans. We are children of the Father. True children in every sense of the word. We covered this on Wednesday night some time back, but the fatherhood of God is expressed in this way. With those who are not believers, with those who are lost, dead in their sin, God still treats them in a fatherly way. They still receive rain. They still receive sunshine. They still eat. They still have clothing. They receive common grace all the time. If not, their lives would be snuffed out like that. But when you and I come by faith, turning from our sin and trusting Christ alone, we're not just treated in some general common way as children of God. 
We are brought in as true, legitimate, real children of God. He, we can say confidently, He is our Father. Look at, um, let me show you just a, a couple of verses. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Should be right there, pretty close, maybe one page back. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. We don't need to be like the pagans. We don't need to be trying to trying to earn the ear of this distant, cold man in the sky. Our father knows what we need before we ever ask him. We don't need to heap up a bunch of words. We cry out to him as our father. There's a difference. Now, when my children want something, sometimes they'll come and they'll they'll present a good case. Dad, you see, I was thinking about this thing and. You know, I. Think I could really benefit from this this particular item. If I just had this, this particular app on my iPod, it would just really be beneficial because I could use it for this and I could use it for this and I could use it for that. And you could borrow it whenever you want to. And what, what's he doing? He's heaping up words trying to convince me. But then there are occasions when in the middle of the night. A bad dream occurs. And someone were one of my children would cry out and maybe hasn't been recently, but maybe sometime back they would cry out and they would say, Daddy. Now, which was more effective? The daddy was so much more effective. Because I, as their father, know what they need. Verse 11 of Matthew chapter 6, um, he is walking through this Lord's Prayer and he comes to this particular line. He says, give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't mean that just because we don't worry about it, we don't ask him for it. We still go to him and we say, God, today you are our father. You are our provider. God, we're not worried about it, but God, we ask you, would you feed us today? I've never seen that squirrel out there. On his knees on that rock either. And that's the difference between. Us and the animals. We've been brought in as children. Asked to trust our heavenly father. To be our provider. To know what we need. Ask him humbly for it. And to trust that he will provide. Let me show you another another verse. Matthew chapter 7. Just maybe over one page. Matthew 7. Verses 9 through 11. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Here's the here's the crux of the matter. If, if my children come to me, my daughter comes to me. And says, Dad, I'm hungry. Can we go to McDonald's? Which is their favorite place to go. 
How foolish, how evil would I be if I were to say no, but you can have this rock. Ridiculous and evil, uncaring toward them. My daughter would look at me and say, a rock? What am I supposed to do with a rock? If my son were to come to me and say, Dad, for my room, I would really like to have a fish. Son, you cannot have a fish, but here is a rattlesnake. Have fun. I would be not loving and caring. I would be evil. Sadistic. The point is, what Jesus is saying here is if I, as an earthly, sinful, fallen father, know how to give good things to my children, feed them every day, give them not only what they need, but sometimes what they want out of generosity. If I, as an evil, sinful, fallen father, know how to do that, why do we doubt the one who is Perfect in holiness. If he is our true father and we go to him and say, Father, would you feed us today? Why would we doubt that he would be generous and feed us? Father, I don't know where the money is going to come from. Father, that payments do, and we don't have it, God. And Lord, we've not been lazy. We've, we've worked and we've done what we can, but God, it's tough. And God, I'm just coming to you as your child. God, would you provide? Why would we doubt that he would provide? If we who are evil know how to give good gifts... Will he not also give even more generously? He who did not spare even his own son. Will he not also give you all things? Now, this is not saying that you can go to him and say, Father. I'm your son. I'd really like to have that 52 inch. Flat screen 3D 3D television. I added 3D to it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean I can go to him and say, Father, would you give me that? And say, he's a generous father. He'll give me that. See, that's prosperity theology. And that's that's what they are selling on TV every single day. Telling you that God wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be prosperous in this life. The reality is nowhere in this, nowhere in this. Does he ever talk about anything other than what you need for life and the body? What this also means is that whatever comes into your life is good. Even when it's hard and it hurts. Let me go on and just finish out this particular passage. In verses 33 and 34, let me just end with this. A prince doesn't. Live like a pauper. A prince doesn't live like a beggar. When I 
phrased that, I thought, boy, that's going to be dangerous because someone's going to interpret that as I'm saying that we are children of the father. We are princes in the kingdom of God, and therefore we should live wealthy. We should live extravagant ways. And that's not what I'm saying at all. Let me show you the difference. In verses 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. A prince doesn't live like a pauper or a beggar because he's under the household of the king. He's under the household of the king. When Moses lived in the household of the Pharaoh, Moses, his life was different. Even though he was an Egyptian, he his life was, or he was a, a, um, a, children, a child of Israel. His life was different. He didn't wake up and say, where in the world is my food going to come from today? Why? Because he was in the household of the king. He was in the household of Pharaoh. He woke up every day not having to worry about those things. He knew that the kingdom would provide for him. Therefore, he just pursued the agenda of the kingdom. As children of the king, the king of kings, we don't have to get up every day and worry or go to bed every night worried about where our food is going to come from the next day. How we're going to pay the bills. What the news will be from the doctor. I don't have to worry about any of that. Because we are living in the household of the king. We get up and we say, all of those things will be added to me. I'm just going to live for my king. We live one day at a time. We live one day at a time trusting that the king will provide what we need. Now, here's the reality. Sometimes... The news comes back and it is bad. Sometimes the report comes back from pathology and it is bad news. Sometimes the money doesn't come in. So what then? Is this false? Is this is this wrong here? No. The reality is, in that case, when the report comes back in a bad way, it still comes from the hand of a loving, generous, almighty king who understands that this world is not the kingdom. One of these days, um, we will all leave this earth. You will leave either when Christ comes back or you will leave through death. Do you view death as something that is horrible? Do you view it as something that is sad, that is that is you just dread and you fear it? Or can you say with absolute confidence that death for me has no sting? David Platt, who many of you are familiar with, David Platt wrote Radical as the pastor of the church at Brook Hills um, in Birmingham, Alabama. He tweeted last night or sometime yesterday to pray for Heather, his wife, pray for Heather's mother. She'd been rushed to the hospital. 
when I got up this morning and I read the, the tweets, he had tweeted that she had passed away. But in the midst of that, he pointed out that about a year ago she was born again and that God is glorious even in death. So whatever comes our way, whether God comes through and provides the mortgage payment, whether he comes through and the report from the doctor is good news. Whether you go out of here tonight and you have more food than you could ever use. Or whether you come to the end of things and the report is not good and cancer takes you out of this world. Or whether the money doesn't come in and the bank takes your house. God is still good in all that he does. And he is on his throne. And he will have the ultimate say in everything. The book that I recommended to you this morning, The Treasure Principle by Randy Elkhorn. Randy Elkhorn's not been able to take a, a, a salary from his church. I don't get any ideas. In years, because of a lawsuit that came against him and his church. And if he takes a salary, they will seize every bit of it. So he has been able to live trusting God with no salary to provide. I'm telling you, God will provide. God will take care of every detail of your lives. If he takes care of the birds and that squirrel in my yard and the lilies of the field, are you not of more value than they? Your Heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask. He is a good and benevolent Father. Amen? Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, tonight we come to you and God, we just thank you for adopting us into your family. Lord, we used to be Gentiles. We were pagans on the outside. We had no right, no right to the Messiah whatsoever. But God, in your grace, you sent Christ who paid the sin debt. In your grace, you found men like Saul who became Paul and Peter and Andrew and John and so many others that wrote. You found those men and you sent them out to make disciples and they took the gospel and the gospel spread from that little region. And God, through the years in your grace, the gospel has spread across the seas and has come to America. In your grace, you gave me a grandfather who loves you more than he loves anything in life. Who was able to point his wife and my mother to the Lord. God, in your grace. You caused me to be born into that family. You caused me to be raised in a home that feared you. That worshipped you. God, in your grace. You have held me. All this time and you have provided 
what I need for godliness as well as what I need for life and the body. And God, in your grace, I know that you will also provide tomorrow. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. And you will never let me go. And God, that causes my heart to rejoice. And there are similar but different stories all across this room, God. And God, tonight we simply gather together and we say thank you. God, your word tells us that we should not be anxious. Don't be anxious. That we don't need to worry. God, I know that for some that's the hardest thing in the world, though. God, I pray tonight that you would show them who you really are. And show them whose they really are. And God, that they would grow in their ability to trust you every single day. They wouldn't doubt your goodness. They wouldn't doubt your character. They wouldn't doubt your ability. But God, they would simply trust you every single minute of the rest of their lives. God, I pray that you would become everything to us. For the sake of your name, I pray. Amen. Have a great night.